dear listener. This is Bill. I am here with episode 152 of The Gamer's Lounge. So, that being said, um, somebody pointed out to me I have a little bit of clipping. Uh, I tried to go ahead and fix that. I hopefully got everything straightened away, uh, basically for those who are audiophiles, which I am not generally. My uh, noise gate was set a little too high, which means anytime we stop talking, uh, this in the last couple of episodes, the uh, silence would be uh, resounding. So that being said, uh, I went ahead and tried to try to address that. Hopefully this episode sounds better. Feel free to uh, email me, uh, bill at gamerslounge.coda.net, if you have any uh, feedback or comments or critiques. Uh, I'll, I'll happily take any critiques that are out there. So in checking the uh, iTunes lately, uh, a couple of things I noticed. The first one is um, all the reviews are old. So not a big deal. Uh, I love the fact that I have some dedicated listener. And, uh, you know, it's not really a, a huge deal. You know, as long as as long as somebody's enjoying the podcast, I'm enjoying doing it. Um, you know, the friends and my wife and everybody that I have on. Uh, however, if uh, you know you think there's other people who may enjoy the podcast, and you're willing, going into iTunes and soon going into Google and Stitcher and some places like that, uh, it would be great to help some other people find the podcast. Um, I do this for fun. I don't do this, you know, to make a living or make money. I don't have any of those advertising things. But it is uh, kind of cool to get the word out there and, uh, you know, just uh, help people, you know, who may enjoy getting the board game reviews and whatnot. Uh, last thing, I think, before we jump into the episode, uh, the podcast um, address, the feed address has changed. So hopefully you are hearing this. If you are, then you're all set. No problem at all. Um, I noticed that, you know, 150 came out. There was nothing for 151. So uh, I just went and did some double checking. I have the new feed propagating and hopefully people will uh, pick it up and still hear the podcast. So uh, with that being said, again, I hope you are one of the one of the people or the listener who stuck with us, carried over, made it through the uh, URL change, and all is good. The technical side of podcasting can be kind of kind of fun sometimes. So, all that said, uh, episode coming up. What do we have? Episode one fifty two is going to be a very brief discussion about the new set of KeyForge, and then we're going to be talking. Um, Josh and I are going to be spending time talking about Splendor, a game that's been out since twenty fourteen, good game that's on my shelf, and one that we wanted to review. So, with that being said, why don't we play a little music and jump in? Hey, Josh. Hey, buddy. What's up? <laughs> Intro part two. <laughs> this time with power. <laughs> Crazy talk. Is that how this works? Uh, yes. Uh, well, you know, when you're a podcasting uh, expert like I am. I get uh, it. I get it. You, uh, 
forget to turn the power on. You just assume it's always on. <laughs> lose recordings here and there. Haven't done that yet. <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> right. Forget um, you recorded games. Yeah, no crap. <laughs> yeah, I have to go back and look. Hey, so um, we have not talked about the new set of Keyforge. We have not. We have not talked about it. We've played it, but we have not talked about it. So, uh... Keyforge, we did that review, I don't know, several episodes ago now. Um, a little bit ago. Unique decks go out, buy a deck. They have redone their second release. Yes, they have done their second release. And these are all computer-generated decks, but each one is completely unique. So I believe, if what I heard was accurate, they took a third of the original cards. So it was like 350, 360 cards, and they took a third of them out. They generated or created a new that number, 100 and something cards, uh, added them into the algorithm, told the algorithm to, and here's the interesting one because I was talking to uh, one of the store managers about this, told the algorithm to prioritize those cards and then clicked and said auto-generate new decks. Which makes sense, to be fair, because if you bought a whole bunch of new decks and couldn't get many new cards in them... You would be less happy. Like if you oh, got one or two new that. cards per deck, you'd be like, seriously? Like this is basically the same thing. Here's the thing I found interesting, right? Let's say it was 120 cards. Sure. All right, 120 cards. Six. Now, how many houses are there? Seven, seven, I think. Seven houses. So on average, 20. No. 18 cards per house. Yeah, I mean, something like that. Something like that. Somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, those cards prioritized out of the 12 cards in the decks. So one of the things I found interesting, and I was kind of, I, I saw this at two different local stores. Um, I went to Sealed Deck launch events. Yeah, which I think are great. Uh, which were a lot of fun. Um, went to Sealed Deck launch events, and and then I think you bought a box. I did. I bought and a I box. bought a box. Uh, so we've both bought different boxes. At the Sealed Deck events, not only did I see many of the same cards, but many, uh, like there was a lot of decks coming out of the same box that had two of the three houses the same. That was not the case for my box, but I, mean, I do remember you saying that. Yeah. It was so. potentially true. And uh, So, I mean, and while it's not exactly true, you get 12 cards from each house. Um, I don't think that's actually a hard requirement. I do think... Pretty sure it is on almost every one of the decks I've gotten. All right. Uh, I mostly count creatures and stuff, so I don't count exactly how many cards per yeah. house. But it might be like 10 or more cards per house, so you can't get super super janked one way or the other. Right, um, right. You know, like I said, you, some, some decks I have three or four new cards. Um, some decks I've only got two. Huh. Yeah, I, I just... So I can't think of any of my decks that aren't 12 cards per house. And uh, I, all of them, you know, it, all of them have new cards, which is yep. good. But I'm starting to recognize and see right. many of the same new cards. Right. And, and well, that's because there's only 18 right. per house, right? right? Like on average, right? So the ones you'll see that are super rare are the ones that kind of... Well, and then there's rarities, right? So there's 18 per house, but we're seeing the commons. Right. We're seeing the commons. We're seeing the uncommons probably a good bit. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, the other thing they added is legacy 
is now another new type of quote unquote card. Yeah. So what is legacy? Because legacy you got are some the of removed cards that were then... that you can get one offs <laughs> back into decks. So before you could get cards of different houses. Yeah, uh, Mavericks, which was a card of a of a given house in a in except in a different house, so you could get that. But now they added another way of increasing the maximum total number of combinations and putting some rare cards in without them being rare. So. Right, uh, and they, and that they added that with with uh, legacy. The couple of the legacies I've gotten are like Bulwark, who gives plus two armor to the two people adjacent to him. Yep, things like that. Uh, he's the big legacy that I've gotten so far. I've Gotten a ton of legacies. Yeah, I haven't even looked through. I'm, I'm glancing down at my deck box now. I haven't even looked through to see what I have that are legacies. But So what do you think of the new set so far? Uh, Does it I completely like it, change the way you play? Reinvigorate? Make you want to run out and like just win the world championship? Uh, I mean, I kind of did want to do that anyway because that's who I am. Ah. But, uh, yeah, no, I'd say it definitely is, is reinvigorated, me, reinvigorated me playing. Not that I actually lost interest in the game. It just wasn't motivating me enough to come out. If that was, you know, okay. after after season one for, you know, 10 months or something, or phase one or whatever the hell. But have you been out on, because they do Thursdays now for the chain bout events and stuff. Have you been out to any events other than the... No, but no. I didn't know they did it on Thursdays. Now, I have come out, and not just the day I play with you, but I also right. um, did a demo game with someone else in our group and got him to buy a couple decks. Oh, okay. Uh, Josh, Josh, too, bought three decks or something after I demoed it to him, um, just so he could have something to play around with at home. Things yeah. like that. I've I've enjoyed the new sets quite a bit. I've enjoyed the combos and the kinds of cards that come out a lot. I I have found I I like the new set. I have found that it, it felt we the new cards the new decks felt weaker to me, and not so much the new cards, but the new the new decks felt weaker. I did some reading online. It basically balanced out to uh, pretty much most of the feedback has been they hit right in the middle. So they've taken sort of the extreme edges, uh, the very weak decks and the very strong decks have been toned down. Now, along with this, there was an errata and, you know, 350, whatever it was, cards all randomly generated first time out. Yeah, two, two cards were eroded. <laughs> and they did that to get rid of someone, not necessarily the one turn kill, but the your opponent doesn't get to play much deck. You know, the uh, cycle your whole deck multiple times well, in a single turn. So those were the two changes, right? The the library card that lets you draw... Library uh, access. Library Every time access. you play a card, you get to draw a card. It now purges itself. So you can't play it and then pull it back and play it again. And then pull it back and then play it a third time. Yes. Yeah. You know, why not? And bait and switch, which bait and switch I found interesting. And I've had several conversations with people that were interested in this. Bait and switch was a card that's that it was in shadow. It said, when you play this card, if your opponent has more ember than you, steal one of their ember. Then, if they still have more, do it again. It basically said, if they have more ember than you, steal an ember, then redo the card. Then redo the card. So that it ended up being, it the original idea behind the card is it balanced it. So that you either ended up at one more than they did, they have, or, or they the ended same. up at one more than you. Yeah. Well, no. Or, 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 the, or the same. equal. Yeah. They would never be one more than you. Uh, that's true. It would either be equal or you would end up with one more. <clears throat> right. So, so that was kind of interesting. And what they did is they changed it so that now it takes, it steals the first one and then allows you to steal a second and then it's done. Um, what, what do you think about that? So, across tournaments... 
the most powerful house by far was Shadows. Primarily because Miasma, which stops you from forging keys, and Bait and Switch were in the same house. Yep. Right? So well, and to, and to say so I was gonna bring this up after after you told me your thoughts, but this is like you've hit the point. What they said, what what Fantasy Flight said was it wasn't so much the bait and switch was overpowered. It was more that everybody felt that you had to play Shadow. In, or, I'm sorry, everybody everybody said that you had to bring Shadow so that you could have bait and switch and in a tournament, in the major tournaments. And nobody played Shadow, a deck with Shadow, unless it had bait and switch or multiples. True. And that, to be fair, I, or you had a card counter bait and switch. Um, Heaven's Doorway or uh, the Gatekeeper, something like that. Right. Which was just... Well, no, no, no. Their comment, like, they came out in their blog and said, every major tournament, like, that was why they changed this. Right. To be considered a tournament-worthy deck, it had to be Shadows. And you never brought Shadows unless it had Bait and Switch. I mean, I uh, I agree. I never brought Shadows if it didn't have Bait and Switch. I also didn't always... I also didn't play Shadows that much, but that was just me. I also didn't go to a ton of major right. events, right? Like, not with hundreds of people. My decks were good for right. 15 and for 20 local, people, yeah. right? Like, they were not um, I steamroll at, you know, Gen Con. I was about to say, have you steamrolled any tournaments? But, yeah, you actually did pretty good at one of our local tournaments. At multiples of our local tournaments. Was it multiples? Yes. I came in second first or second and, multiple yeah. times. I, I lost focus after not coming in, placing at all at any of them. I, I understand, which is why I was refreshing your memory. Uh, not, but not I do like reaching the new sets. those lofty heights, right? I do like the new sets, um, and they're they're interesting in that they're not all. Uh, I'm going to say they're kind of somewhat some more counter to kill play, which is a thing. I think uh, deck wipes are not uh, or, or board wipes are not as common. Or at least not They're as, much uh, more combo-intensive. Nothing. See, that's the one thing I'll say. Very little is direct anymore. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, I, I have a lot of stuff that stacks armor and gets in the way that you need to do other things to win. But And that's fun. Without it being, without it being um, Sanctum, because I hate Sanctum. As a, not because they're great or not good, because they actually have a lot of good cards. Right, I now, just don't like playing. Now you have your Mars Armor deck. Yes, I do. With, you know, Fixed Ugh. Finger times three and the Collector times two, who doesn't stack with that, but why not? Because he's already base five armor. Yeah, silly. Silliness. Collector is great. I love the Collector. But I also noticed that if you're going to go against people, the people you will often try to collect are five, five power or so. So you five uh, to six, okay. so you get to one or two of those. What they're great at is if I have them out and you just have a bunch of I don't give a shit, lower, more, sorry. Yeah. A bunch of lower power stuff, especially stuff with evasive, I don't care. Right. I just go, cool. Like those things are easy for Take me to just keep removing, right? It's the really powerful stuff that I will lose one or two health doing it, which only, because they only have two health each. Right. So I can do it once, cool. And if I, if I have to do it again, then I can't use that guy. What did you think of the rats? Everybody's talking about the rats. So I did not get a deck with the rats in my box. I acquired uh, a few extra decks. I like throwing money at the store. 
And one of those had six rats in it. Wow, you just throw the money at the store and decks show up. Yeah, it's weird. That's, that's... I really wish they would, like, I, wow. I don't even have to go to the cash register. I just drive by and throw money at the door, and someone hands me a deck. It's weird. Uh, so that part, uh, so the, that deck is interesting, and it wipes, it's a board wipe, which is interesting. But with six rats, I'm obviously not going to even play most of the rats in a given turn. Depends. I play, I play two or three to wipe out what's there, and I'm probably yep. going to stop playing rats so I can keep doing it. And then I'll just choose shadows again, and then reap with my rats. And if right. I need to, play another rat to wipe out whatever you bring out. Right. That's the idea about, I think, how they want to play. I've only played that deck once, though, so um, I have not gotten the full rat experience. I, I've i played my rat deck, so I have a rat deck that only has five rats. That's It, it was one of the ones that made me laugh. Every rat deck I've seen has either five or six rats. Hmm. So, And I've seen five of them now. Okay. I was like, better. I mean, I, I would not be super... To be fair, I'd actually be happy with a three or four rat deck, but that's because you only need three or four. Yeah. The problem with that is it means you have to get all of the ones in your deck in, in your, your hand at the same time to really get what you want. So like a sick rat deck to me is a two sets of three <laughs> and then whatever else. Sure, sure. I could see that. Yeah. I So of the four decks I've seen, I know one of them is a five. Yeah, I, w- I want to say I've seen two of them that are six, six rats and the other two i think were both fives mine's a five and they're kind of interesting i um i i find them intriguing they're they're one of the decks i'm now carrying with me as i as i slim down so i was like do they feel like they get in the way i would have i was you know i only played it like once it was a demo game because it was literally the day i bought the deck it felt like i couldn't like i was sitting with my hand going well if i play them now i don't get much use out of the rat benefit and so I just sit there with it in my hand, reaping with what I have out there. So one of the challenges I have is my rat deck has other great cards in there. Who oh, are, Sucks for you. Who are ones and twos <laughs> with no armor. Right? Yep. So, so it's a it's a shadow disc. I think it's a shadow disc something else. And it's one of those things where I have several great health one, health two. So if I commit to doing my rats, I'm committing to... Well, board wiping. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's... And I did that with my rat deck. I actually board wiped my rats. <laughs> How? Uh, oh, with a different yeah, card. Else, yeah. yeah. With a different card. So. It was like, cool, that was fun and all, but now everything dies. I mean, all my, all my little health <laughs> shit. Oh, because it was like standardized testing, right? Like oh. everything one health. Di- yes. Everything with the lowest health dies. Well, I have rats. Cool. All of my rats die. <laughs> I, I really like standardized testing as a card. Standardized testing says. Um, the highest strength creatures and the lowest strength everything creatures. Everything that has the lowest strength and everything that has the highest strength dies. Dies. Just on both sides. Uh, so I've, I've, I've actually used that card a good bit um, to some benefit. Mars got some very good cards. And I will say around, at least locally around Northern Virginia, a lot of people are talking about the fact that Mars came out of the uh, expansion as the, the strong I, I I I think Mars got a lot of really good cards. I think that Mars also got a lot of cards that kind of don't quite synergize with each other um, in terms of play. Like Mars is well Mars, so they have spaceships, right. right? So they have a couple like cool. I do a bunch of damage to all the enemies, but that's only if I have nothing in play. So that sucks with the hey, I've got a two health five armor creature that sits out here and collects stuff. 
Yeah. And the guy who gives out armor doesn't do it to himself and doesn't do it to those creatures. Right. And doesn't do it to the other tanks that exist in Mars. Because those are all robots. Robots are beasts. Yep. So I found that there is... Now, we had some tracking fun around... Um, Stacking fixed fingers because I had them and Bill <laughs> because, also and, had them. And because fixed fingers are all Martians, all other, not, Martians. All other Martians, not friendly or enemy. Right. So between the two of us, we had four in at one point. <laughs> yeah, so so. <laughs> we, we had some tracking problems going. Wait, who's got how much extra armor? Uh, but that was that was also fun in its own right. Um, but that's so that's where they've got like multiple really cool things that are going on. Multiple good cards, but they don't. They're not full combo cards. They don't work. They don't right. work super well with each other. Except I clear the board with, I clear my enemy's board with the missile. Or there's two different missiles that say only do damage if you have no creatures of your own in play. Well, yeah, that was the other things that were entered, like the new Floxum thing. Yep. That one, you know, do this much damage if you have nothing in play. Um, there, there's they combo with some of the old Martian cards really nicely. Yeah, I actually have not seen enough old Martian cards to take full advantage. And this is tied to maybe what you were saying yeah. earlier, like. With Fixed Finger, all of the old Martian cards get way better. Oh, yeah. I don't have that many of the old Martian cards that are actually creatures to make full advantage of that. Yeah, when you look at Fixed Finger with, uh, like, if you can get the decks. I'm trying to remember if I have one. It's like Fixed Finger with the um, with the Zookeeper. Yep. Fixed right. Finger with Zookeeper, Mind Warper. Yeah. Um, the Agent. The, the guy, the, the Agent Smith. So anything that becomes elusive plus... One, two, or three armor gets really good. And stuff that wants to sit out and combo when it reaps, I reap, and then this other thing does blow. Yeah. Like, that stuff always struggled to stay out. Fixed Finger says, whoo, not anymore. You don't yep. struggle at all. So, so yeah. So, I, not that I wanted to jump in and do a review of, of the new set, but I thought it was good to do an update since we've talked about uh, Keyforge. And it's, it's still going. Yeah, it's still going and it's and fun. It hasn't died. It looked like it was... Struggling for a bit. It had slowed down. Sure. Uh, I mean, I found that that happens a lot with card games, especially fantasy flight card games. My only experience being L5R and Destiny and this game. Yep. So that's actually not a tiny that's, list. That's three. <laughs> yeah. That's that's not horrible. And to be fair, I think Destiny's still going on. I just don't play it. I know L5R is still going on, just not really at our store. Right. And Destiny is because they were, they were at um, Nova Open. Or not Dovo, they were Adepticon. That's Adepticon. a big thing. Yep. So, so what we want to review tonight is uh, Splendor. Splendor. A game that has been out for a long Three time. Years. 2014. Wow. Five years from the for the original Splendor. Hmm. So it was a re-release that, that got Board Game Geek of the Year or Board Game, yeah, like 2017, I thought? Uh, 2017 is when City of Splendors came out. Oh. Wow, I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah, so it's been two years for for the expansion. Um, so I think it is only appropriate, Josh, who has probably played I don't know what a thousand games of Splendor. I mean, <laughs> no, <laughs> at least a hundred though. So yeah, you've you've I've so, played a lot. My family loves Splendor. Your, your family plays Splendor, so. That has become our go-to game. Like, I try to get them into games, and this is one of those. This is the one that made me come up with the line that it needs to be uh, mechanically very simple, but an interesting level of depth. This is the game that made that tagline come into, like, clarity for me. Okay. 
So the base game of Splendor. And yep. then we'll talk about the four expansions, which sure. between you and I, I think we've played a handful of times. Yes. To be fair, my family <laughs> has only played the expansions a couple times. Every mm-hmm. time I'm like, they're like, well, why would we learn something new? Well, we just play the game we right. know. Right. I get that, but I bought it, so I want to. <laughs> you know what? That's fine. That's fine. No big deal. So, so, uh, so tell us about Splendor. How does Splendor play? So, what uh, is it? Splendor is a game where we're all competing gem merchants inside a town, and our goal is to get to a certain point value. More accurately, our goal is to have the highest points of the game. The game, the trigger for the end of the game is earning 15 points. Each turn, uh, you can draw three gems, as long as they're different colors. Two gems of the same color, as long as there are four or more before you do it. Or you can uh, get a wild card, a wild gem, and reserve a card. Or buy one of the cards that are in play. Okay, so let's talk about what the board looks like. Sure. So we have black, red, green, white, and blue. Yep. Right? Yep. Five. Black, red, green, white, and blue. Yep. So we have five. This is a game with discs and cards. Yep. Uh, you have five the discs that uh, you have five different discs out there that have look like poker chips that look like poker chips that have a picture of a gem on it and uh, each of those colors and then you have a sixth disc that is the wild. Uh, you have three rows of cards at the beginning of each row is a deck face down yep. and then you have four cards out. I think it's number of players maybe, but it might is the number of players at four or five? Uh, that one doesn't go up, so it's it either maxes out at four or... Yeah, I think it's four. So you have four cards out, and uh, those cards are going to have a... Uh, in the top left-hand corner, they may or may not have a, a number. And yep. usually numbers go from one to five if there's a number on there. Yep. Uh, in the top, point values. Yep. On the top right-hand corner, it's going to have a picture of a gem. And in the bottom left-hand corner, there's going to be some combination and numbers of gems. Yeah, that's fairly accurate. Okay, so I mean, that is accurate, not fairly. When we talk about accurate. when we talk about taking gems, that's where we're talking about. That's out of the row of gems, the discs at the top. Yeah, and each of those stacks, depending, is based on the number of players. But you could have as many as six discs in a stack, and it could be as low as four. I'm not sure the max number is six, but that there's a number, and that number it's is six or seven. That's right. what we had out, tonight. and the number is determined by the number of players. Yep. So it's, it's a it's a there's a resource a resource shortage that comes up in the game that's designed as part of the game, and then there's this last piece which we'll get to as part of probably part of scoring, where there is a line of nobles who are each worth three points. Yep. The and patrons. you can be good enough for them to come visit. Yep. So, so from there, we can reserve a card. Yep. Either the cards that are currently out in the rows face up or one of the tops of one of the decks. Yep. And that means uh, they go to you. You can have a hand of three reserve cards. And when you go to buy a card, which is a normal action, instead of buying one of the cards that are in play, you can buy one of the cards from your hand that you've reserved. Okay. And how do we go about, uh, and, and we can also collect like jobs. How do you go about buying cards? Uh, so the other one big point to mention is that you can never have more than 10 gems. And that is no. actually a key because it stops you from either amassing or completely denying one gem type. But it also means that, like, at some point you have to buy cards. The game forces right. you to 
forces there to be a shortage of gem, a shortage of resources, and that you eventually have to put back in. Because there's no pass action. Right. There's no pass. Um, so, uh, how do you go about buying cards? So when you go to buy a card, you look at the the bottom left corner where it says the cost, and that might be um, two, two black gems and a red gem. And then you have to either have cards for each card you have purchased. It counts as the gem of that type for the rest of the game for you. Or uh, chips or some combination thereof. So I could have one chip, one card that is a black gem, one chip that's a black gem, and one chip that's a red gem. To, and I give the two gems, uh, the two chips in and use the card. And the card just stays in play. I just get to count it. And that allows me to buy the card I was looking at. Yep. And then... Right. Again, some of those cards are going to have point values in the top left-hand corner. And when the points in front of you add up to 15, 15 or more, right. you finish that round and the game's over. That is what triggers the end of the game. Yep. Uh, nobles only come to visit you based on cards and not chips. So they'll say you have to have three green, three white, and three blue cards in front of you. And when you get that, they immediately... Uh, a noble can immediately come visit you if that's what its trigger is, and that'll let you get those three points, which can be a way of spiking points to end the game. And that's Splendor. Splendor in a nutshell. Boy, it sounds simple. Yeah, and it does. And this is a game where I <laughs> told my friend Bill multiple times, I was like, my you family did. loves this game. It's uh-huh. actually really good. And I was and like, then, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, sales pitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gem merchants, so, you know. Not cool, I guess. Yeah, uh-huh. And then he tried it one day uh, while out of town, and he came back and was like, I feel like you did this a, an injustice <laughs> in your sales pitch. So if what we said didn't sound great, you should give it a try anyway. Yeah, so so let's go with this. Um, this game shines on multiple levels. Very few, of, I, I would say none of which have to do with the mechanics. The mechanics being simple in my mind, aren't what make the game shine. It's what makes the game accessible, and it adds a big plus to the fun in playing the game. I, I agree with that. The mechanics, the mechanics of your actions, and the reason I say that is because I think the resource shortage part and the capping okay. of, of ten gems; those two mechanics are a huge part of what increases the complexity and figuring out how to get the right gems in front of you because it's always more efficient to take three gems because you get three, but they have to be different colors versus when you take two gems of the same color and are there enough, is there going to be enough there at the start of your turn for you to take two gems of the same color? So there's there's a lot of that kind of balancing and then figuring out what your opponents want to do and how you want to do it and what you can maximize and minimize. So there's multiple strategies in this game. And let's talk about that for a bit because I think that's what's really going to draw people in. And that's also what will start to separate from the expansions. All right. Right? So uh, one of the very early strategies I think a lot of people pick up and learn is you start buying your your cheap, quote-unquote cheap, your first row, top row. uh, Tier one. Tier one. Uh, cards. Which have almost no points, yep. but they tend to have lower cost, and they're, I mean, every card you buy is only worth a single gem. It may also be worth points, but in terms of it's increasing your purchase power, it only ever counts for one gem. And most of the tier one gems can be bought for, I would say, the vast majority can be bought for four gems. Uh, Some are five. five. I'd say the average is five. Four is... Four, 
Four or five. Tier one. I yeah. I, there's a, there are a couple threes in there. There's but I think four or five is the average. Yeah, I could go with five. And all the ones that are worth one point cost four. Four of the single of the color. same color. And there's a couple in there that cost three. Yep. Um, you know, I'm I'm just thinking like there's a lot of them that are you know two of one color, one of two other yeah, colors. Two and two, two and one one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two two one. Yeah. I, that's I probably about the average is four. But then the, the one of having all. Of a bunch of different colors is, I think, four? That's four. All right, so four is the average. It's usually four of one of each color. So, and what a lot of people, early on, it's pretty easy to see. You buy, you have your five colors, so you buy one card of each color, and now you can typically start getting some stuff for free, and you get a second one of a couple of colors, and now you're definitely buying them for free, and then you just build up your... You basically start taking free Tier 1 cards. You're free being you're not spending chips. Yes. So you're building up your stacks, trying to get to three of three colors or four of two colors to get the nobles, and you're trying to cash out on nobles. Yep. Uh, you are often aggressive. Like, because you're not spending any... Ideally, you don't want to spend any turns not pecking up cards, especially with that approach. So your purchase power is going up every turn. Um and that's that is by far the initial strategy. I think once people realize how you get the nobles, right, right, and and what ends up happening then is you, you know, it's a longer game. You're trying to pick up a card every turn. You hopefully get to a point where you can take a turn, grab a couple of chips, and then real quick spike over to your second tier and grab some points. But uh, that game tends to go along for a good while, where everyone is the same. And then someone will go over the point real quick, right? And the game will end within around two rounds. Yep. You boop, 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 boop. Because they're like, a bunch oh, of I get stuff. a noble this time, and so that's worth three yep. points plus the two points I got from buying that card. Cool, I did it again. Now I'm at ten. Oh, I just need to buy that. Done. Yep. So, so there's a strategy, and and it's pretty straightforward. Um, I would say it's a good beginner strategy. Yeah, I'd say it's. I mean, it's fairly effective. I mean, your mom won with it. I mean, not your mom, Julie's mom my, won with my it. My mother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, she won with it tonight. Twice, actually, which is sad. <laughs> I was looking at her going, she's got four more cards than I do. Like, this is driving me crazy. Yeah. So, another friend of mine, a uh, buddy of mine, Adam, up in New Hampshire, he plays with the strategy, and I have never quite mastered this, but he buys very few cheap cards. He pretty much always starts turn one by reserving a secret third-tier card. Yep. And then usually reserving either another secret third tier card or one of the open third tier cards. He's looking for a couple of cards that are high point value, four or five points. That uh, or I think there no, there's no sixes in there. But he's looking for a four or five point card. He's looking for two of them that he can build kind of some of the same colors towards. And really, he's just trying. And to, they also tend. He looks. He's also ideally looking for ones that tie back into nobles. Into the nobles, right? And then he's just looking to spike. Some big cards as quick as possible. Yep. And he just grinds on what it takes to get those right. two cards. And, and by grinding, it could be as simple as, okay, there's four of us playing. I'm going to take two black chips and then two more black chips. So nobody else grabbed them yet. And then I'm just going to get, I'm just going to take chips as I need them. I have my wild chips and go. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's actually how my family started winning against the other strategy because it was a little faster. Because being able to spike a five-point card is almost worth two nobles, right? Yeah. So if nobles are three each, 
that's almost worth two nobles. So getting that and then having it trigger a noble is a lot. Is a lot, right. And, and half the point people you need don't the know game. really what's coming. Right. And, they, and it's hard for people to stop you from getting what you want because they don't know what it is you want if you reserve the face down top of the deck. Then, like, you get a five-point card, maybe, ideally, hopefully a five-point card, that we don't know what it is you need to collect to trigger it. Yep. Now, uh, there's also the uh, the hate drafting. Right. That never works. There Throwing is, it out right now. That does not work. <laughs> there, is, there is the strategy of, I'm going to take some stuff, and I'm going to pay attention to what everybody else is doing. And when I see somebody collecting a whole lot of gems of one kind, I'm going to look at what's out there. And I'm going to see what has the cost that I think they're going to be able to buy. And then I'm going to reserve that and take it off the board so they can't get to it. Which actually does work, as long as that's not your only strategy. Right. Um, the, the other strategy that that's similar to that is... is taking all the single color aggressively. So if you look at the, you know, if you have four nobles and three of the nobles take blue cards. Get all the blues. Take all the blue cards. Every blue card in the first row that comes up, if you can't buy it, you reserve it so no one else can get it. Yep. And just eventually they're going to get it because they're also going to have to build up chips. But that means them all, they're all fighting over it. So you can slow them all down as long as it doesn't hurt you too much. So we're talking about strategies. Took a little, little little break there. Talking about strategies, we've got several out there. What makes this game fun, Josh? Um, so the challenge or, or the variability comes in from figuring out what you're trying to do the most efficient way possible, figuring out what everyone else is trying to do, and how do you accomplish what you're trying to do while slowing them down enough to... Stop them from doing it before they do what they want to do before you do. Much like we talk about in Azul, right? Like, right. You, it, it, that part of the game play is similar. Is how do I slow them down enough that I can accomplish my goals without going so far as to, if you go hardcore hate drafting or if you go hardcore stop other people, you're kingmaking, but you are not succeeding yourself. <laughs> now, I will say this. There is a very much an aspect of engine building. In this game, right? It has that Euro engine building. There's some of that, yep. Right? But... Especially with that first that first strategy. Yep, and, and there's some randomness in this, uh, because when a card is purchased from one of the rows, you flip over the top oh part God, of the deck yes. and it fills in. So, I've 100% had games go, someone buying a card, and you just look at the person because you're like, all you had to do was not buy a card... And it flips out a new card that the person can buy and win immediately if they go next. Like, there is some there's some more luck or randomness in Splendor around what card is going to come up next. So, for anybody who, who is curious, we've talked about the Board Game Geek ratings before. Um, this says, playing time, 30 minutes. Not with Josh's family. Not with my family. We never <laughs> play for less than an hour. No question. It's sad. Uh, I mean, I they're really good at playing at it, and they, they think five or six turns ahead, so they just consider everything, which is great. Um, I'm not that committed. Not going <laughs> to lie. I'm just sitting there having fun. I, 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 I'm not sure I've ever seen this play out when I've played in 30 minutes either. However, I could see how that works. Um, it, it, it could be a very quick game. It could be. You kind of burn through it pretty quick. Uh, two to four players, absolutely. So, weight of 1.81 out of 5. I agree with that. I mean, we talked about mechanics and symbol, right? Yes. Yeah. You pick up some gems or you buy cards with gems. 
It's very simple. Now, what's intriguing here, not intriguing, but uh, 7.5 rating. Actually, right? that surprised. That's... I, I thought it would be higher. Really? Uh, I did only because, I mean, it, it literally won an award. It, no, don't get me wrong. I don't spend a ton of time looking at Board Game Week, so I actually don't know if yeah. 7.5 is really high. 7.5 is not bad. So so here's your here's your rating, right? 7 is, this is a good game I'm usually willing to play. 8 is, very good game, enjoy playing, and would suggest it. So it falls right in between those two. Gotcha. Which, I, for Board Game Geek, people, these are, the majority of the people on Board Game Geek are the people who like heavier games, right? If I go out there and I look at the, uh, and it's ranked 132 overall, hmm. um, that is a, that is a decent rating. And let me, let me explain why. Um, if I go to, uh, you know, it's, so let me go this first, 132. It is in the territory as Legendary Marvel, Building Game, Zombicide, Black Plague, which are a couple of points below it, um, Age of Steam, uh, Memoir 44, Clank in Space, uh, Near and Far. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a Ticket to Ride, Nordic. There's, there's other similar games around it now. For for those, I mean, I know you don't go on a board game geek much, Josh. Um, I wouldn't associate with those kinds of people, Bill. I understand. Gloomhaven, number one. Pandemic Legacy, season one, number two. Right? So you can tell the type of games yeah. the board game geek people like. <laughs> kind of games that I play. Yep, <laughs> nope. Through the Ages, Terraforming Mars, Twilight Struggle, Star Wars Rebellion. There you go. There's the top six. This is definitely a lighter, quicker game than those types of games. Uh, so to come in at a seven dot five, I think is absolutely appropriate. Um, this is this is the game you play with your family, and this is another game I pull out with my mother in law, and she likes it, even though she swears she hasn't played it before, which she has. Right, and now she has a hundred percent win rating because uh, somebody didn't record the other games. It was before I was recording, but yes, that is true. So Splendor in 2017 came out with an expansion called the Cities of Splendor, which in reality was four expansions. Four separate expansions that could be played by themselves or in combination. And in a single purchase. Which was actually really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, I, it was very nice. So. And they do change the gameplay a good bit. Four expansions. Uh, I'm going to have to try to find the names of these expansions. Here we go. Silk Road, Oriental Road, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So it's the Orient, Training Posts, Cities, and Strongholds. So Cities takes those nobles we talked about. Yep. Removes them and replaces them with three city tiles. So now Which are the same of, every time. Um, As I recall. No, you. I think you randomize them. I don't. I think there's more than three. Uh, from a pool of fourteen. Hmm. Yep. Oh, so the big thing about cities, and this is the big key. Sorry. Yeah. Is that you much have, more you you can only win if you have a city. You can only win if you have a city, and they're more expensive. They're harder to get. But it is a requirement that you get a city to win. To win, whereas the other one is nobles are an avenue to winning if you would like. Right. Right. Uh, so that's the big difference with cities. And because they're more expensive, everyone can see what you're working towards. Whether that's okay or not is up to you and the people you play with. So when we talk about more expensive, 
we had said, right? So in order to, you'd get three victory points off of nobles. Yep. And they're, uh, they either take eight or nine. Right. Um, so it's either three cards of three gems. Yeah. Because you can only get them with It's cards. either three sets of three cards. Three sets of three cards. So a total or nine two cards. sets of four cards. Or two sets of four. Um, the cities, I'm looking at the cities now. The cities range from 11 to 17 points. And I don't even understand how you get the 17. So let's just skip that one. <laughs> um, wow, I'm trying to remember how to. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. In order to take the cities, you have to have a point total plus a certain number of gems. Right. So, in order to take... So, at the lowest point, the city, you're going to take it at 11 points. But you also need a combination of four sets of three gems. Three different colors. And he means cards, not chips. Uh, no, I actually think that one is cards and chips. Hmm. I think it's a combo of cards and chips, if I remember right. We haven't played with cities in, in a while. Orient's going to be the easiest because it's the easiest to describe. Um, Training pros, uh, look, the only one I haven't played much at all would be Strongholds. Yeah, neither have I. Because... We'll get to that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so basically you can't win without taking one of these cities. You have to take the city. It's going to be a point total that you have to get to plus. But that's why this goes all the way up to 17. And that's why there's no gems on the 17. If you get 17 points, you take the city and probably win with it. And probably win. Yep. And this is the night of multiple pauses while we're editing. Winning. <laughs> so, But I, to be fair, I can now say... He actually does some editing. It's the first time I've ever seen it. <laughs> <laughs> it's rumors. Rumors. Screenshot or didn't happen. Uh, but that's that's why I like... That's one of the things I enjoyed about Cities, is it focused everyone's gameplay, but also in, in, in that way made people compete more directly. Uh, because there was just... Because there were fewer... People, there was more people in the same direct path to winning. You were ended up having some more direct head-to-head competition over stuff. That makes sense. I, I I could see that. I could absolutely see that. Um, okay, I I think, and I'm actually going to try to pull the rules up here so that when we have questions in the future, we we can we That's can good. do better. Um, let's just go ahead and talk about strongholds. Let's get it out of the way. So, strongholds, each player gets three towers. Yep. You, uh, basically, any time you purchase a card, either from your hand or from the table, you, uh, either remove one of your opponent's strongholds or put one of your strongholds on the table. And if there's a stronghold on a card... You can't buy it. Unless it's your stronghold. Unless it's your stronghold. Yep. It's a literally a, a denial mechanic or a in-place reserve mechanic for the game. And I think what it's supposed to do or what it's trying to engender is some multiplayer, like multi-team up kind of thing. Saying, hey, Bill, if you remove Julie's 
stronghold here, I can buy that card and then I'll owe you one or something, which isn't really part of the normal game. Um, that's the only that and just hating each other is the only two reasons yeah, I've, I've seen felt, so far to play that version. Of I the felt game. like this was uh, where you know the three people out there that were like. We play in a really nice family, and this just isn't competitive enough. And they were like, oh, let us help you. Right? Or they were like, uh, so you said 30 minutes, and we're actually at 35 regularly. Yeah, yeah. I need to take a little longer. They were like, cool. Let me make it so that everyone at the table can deny other people cards. Go. Yeah, I don't think there's much more to say about uh, well, Suffice to holes. say, it was not our favorite at all, either one of us or the groups of people we've played with. Yeah, but you know what? The broken token organizer has a beautiful little little slot for little him. slot for him. Yeah, and they all. look great in there. There we I, go. Okay, so uh, so that was strongholds. <laughs> you know what though? I, one out of four. I want to be and to be fair, it does change the game significantly. Oh, it mutates the game in a very it mutates the game a lot. It just isn't a way that we think is a positive way, but it does change the base game mechanics enough that it, that it mutates it yeah, quite a bit. I agree. The Orient. I want to go with one I'm more comfortable and familiar with before getting into Trading Post. I've only played Trading Post once. Oh, I like Trading Post. So, um, The Orient. So what The Orient does, when we describe base splendor, right? Three rows... Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3. Four cards laid out in an upside-down deck. This adds another section, an expansion, to each of those tiered rows with three new cards. I'm sorry, two new cards and a new Orient deck. And the cards that are in the Orient pack have different types of of values. So, what do I mean by this? One of the types of values is a tier one card that lets you just take two wild, or just generate two wild cards. Tokens. Yeah. Tokens, basically. Uh, was it to tokens? I think they're one time. I think they have to be used on the same thing, right? Card is worth two gold tokens. Do not draw them. They do not count against your limit of ten tokens and can be spent during a single purchase. Each of these two gold tokens can be replaced, can replace any color. Yeah, so you have two wilds. They're on the cards. They don't count towards your ten, but it only can be applied to a single purchase. purchase. Right. Um, you and then know, that card goes away. It, right, 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 right. Once you use it. Uh, there's also one that you can pair with another card that you bought, um, that basically, what is this one? The card is worth one bonus matching. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a, yeah, there's yeah. a way to increase like one other card you have out. You can just increase the number. Like you can make it a, a two, uh, white gems instead of one. Right. Right. So, so there's that, um, you know, all the way up to, there's a couple of other ones here, right? You, you have some that give you doubling up on the gems, right? So this mine, this card is worth two or three of a gem of a certain color. Uh, there are some that give you a, uh, basically let you reserve a noble, 
Um, so just some just some extra yeah, interesting things that. There's also some that let you discard bonuses for colors you've already given, and basically. Uh, you cannot discard reserved cards. You must discard as a priority the cards bearing the bo- the little bonus symbol on it. Um, so you know, there's so some of the cost of these cards have also changed, where you actually have to discard cards you have already purchased and play right to buy or use some of these other new cards. So so new abilities that aren't a straight that like the only one that is a straight a straight add is hey instead of generating one gem of this color this mine now generates two. Yep. Uh, but there's other bonuses, and these Orient cards can be bought in the same way, uh, with the addition of being able to you know discard some of the others. Yep. You buy them instead of buying one of the cards that builds towards your bonuses. Instead of one of those standards, bonus right. cards. And it adds more cards to the table. So now you have five cards to choose from while you're playing. Because it's two Orient cards, and, or six. Two Orient cards and the four cards. I yep. can't, math is hard. Apparently. Very hard. Uh, I actually, so I've, I've only played the Orient a couple of times. I've liked it just because it it's interesting. I, I wouldn't say I've done it enough to have a solid strategy, but the strategy of, because what I think it applies the most to is this, the first strategy we talked about of getting a ton of the tier one yeah. cards, right? Because then you start popping the Orient cards at later levels that say, get rid of one or two of your cards. And you're like, oh, but if you have a, Five cards that are not worth any points. You get rid of two of those and get worth seven points all of a sudden or whatever. Yep. That kind of spike is, I think, where that fits in. That's my that's my feeling on how to maximize around that play. Um, but then again, I am not the master of all splendor, so take that with a grain of salt. I've played the Orient more than any of the other expansions. I like it. I find it actually speeds the game up dramatically. Hmm. Um, it's, it's because of the way the bonuses and stuff play out, it can get very quick where your engine just gets, you know, supercharged. But do you feel, so the only problem with that or not the problem, the only question I have about that is, do you feel like at some point it's not competitive because, oh, did the card flip out that triple someone's engine and then just boom like that? Yeah. Um, Maybe it's, uh, I haven't run into that yet, but I can see where that could happen. Okay. Um, it definitely means you you have way less time. And you have to be more adaptable. Right, yeah, you're more adaptable and way less time to to correct a miss by. Gotcha. Like, if you if you miss it, you're, it's the game can end very quickly. Okay, but that just um, means you can also play more games. True, and I would also say, I think this is the, this is the, Smallest change to the base mechanics of the game. In these three sets, yes. I would agree. Uh, in this in this, I expansion. mean, in the four sets. Yeah, yeah in, in the, the four, four sets, sets of the expansion, I agree. So, um, you know, even even the cities, which is the other one I really like, uh, cities still changes the win conditions. Where this, your win condition is the same. You're still going to 15. It just so happens that you have extra cards to To, to potentially purchase that have yeah. some weird other effects. Yeah, I agree. Right. I, I do. And... Uh, I like I said it, it's interesting that you say it accelerates the game, which maybe I will play that one more with my family. <laughs> like, hey, I hear the game could be played in thirty minutes. Let's see. 
uh, well, it might screw with their heads, right? That yeah. might be part of it. Is they can't. It's that much harder to look five turns ahead. Uh, the truth is, if I went and played them right now, they had a baby last weekend. Yeah. I guarantee I probably win anyway. <laughs> They'd just be like, "Wait, am I allowed to sleep?" I'm like, "No, no, no." <laughs> Uh, trading posts. So trading posts are interesting because the interest. Well, so what trading posts do is they get unlock a whole new board. You, get, you unlock an additional powers board, and there's four or five new powers on this board. And once you meet the condition, it just is on. Yeah, five. Um, and so then, and those things are in addition to what the normal mechanics. So one of the powers I think is like so you take when you take two gems of a single color. That's normally all you can take, which is why it's less efficient than taking three gems, one of each of three different colors, right? Yep. Except one of the powers is when you do that, get a third gem of a different color. Yep. So you can fix some of those things and then change your gameplay to tie into what powers you've unlocked. Now, the the interesting thing about this is the trading trading post board is fixed. It's fixed and so it's the, the same for everyone. Right? It, not just the same for everyone, but it's the same every game. Yes. So let's take the power you're talking about. You're always trying to get to two white gem cards yep. in order to get that bonus. Yes. Uh, the, I mean, the other difference is, or, or what the randomness that comes out is, hey, what gem cards came out? Like how, because it may be eight turns in the right. game before you see a second white card you can get. Right, right. Especially with four different people competing for it. Yeah, well, uh huh. <laughs> Potentially, uh, or green for that matter, right? Or how do you balance the unlocking um, powers versus going towards nobles? Because if you just add the powers to the base game, the nobles still need three and three and three, or four and four, right? right. So, like, do you might prioritize the unlocking powers to be able to do weird things? But does that actually help you? Because sometimes not none of the heroes towards the right. noble. Yeah. None of the nobles may need white cards, for instance. So that's yeah. two white cards you've got on your way to purchase that aren't helping your noble collection. So, why do you like why do you like this so much? Um, I think I think it gives the most variety in terms of decision, most variety in terms of gameplay. And that's non-random, right? So I, can, I know I can work towards those powers. The random is still what cards come up and if I can get them, right? But, like, just knowing that means that I, I could actually then work on, because getting the two gems of a single color and get a third gem right. lets you really work towards third tier way more efficiently. So. Because third tier would be, like, get seven gems of one color and three gems of another. Yeah, That's crap. really hard unless I'm picking up still three gems a time and working on both of those things at the same time. Okay. Um, so I think it in that way opens up your opportunities about how to approach the game, but it's still clear which opportunities you have. So I've only played this one a couple of times, and what I ended up running into is I think Trading Push you have to play uh, several times because, like, the first time I played it, I was like, oh, it's an expansion. Let me check this out. I'm just going to try everything. And the second time I was like, I'm just going to try everything. Uh, I think I'm building towards this. Uh, this is cool. Uh, right. wait, wait, I, wait, I get to do what again? <laughs> so in this one, I specifically think that if you try to unlock all the powers, you're not going to win because it's going to take too long. Right. I think you unlock one to two powers. And just run and then, with it. And then maximize your play around those two powers 
plus working towards whatever it is you're trying to work towards. So we talked about getting the hidden the hidden five point card and then seeing the best way to get from where you are to there and maybe pick up a power along the way that you can maximize. I can see that. Because one of the powers is just a points thing. Um, but it's also a points thing based on the other training posts that powers you've unlocked. So right. you get extra points for each trait. So like a couple times I'll grab that one. If I've got two other powers, I'm like, all right, or three other powers, I'm like, sure, that's an extra two or three points. Great. Um well, it's funny because it's not an easy one, right? It's five green bonuses plus a noble tile to get five points. Sure. The problem is, or the, not the problem, but the, when you look at that, I've, maybe I've got four green from going right. from the noble anyway. Right. Right. Let me just get that fifth, and it ends up being worth another <laughs> three or four points. So it's right. end up, like if it's another three points, it's, hey, the same price is, same value as a noble. Yeah. An, another triggerable thing like that. And I've actually gone on my way to be like, ooh, let me go back and grab this super easy power just so I can trigger that and get more. Yep. Um so, I, that's my favorite, which is weird, because I said I like cities because it limits the number of approaches to the game, whereas I think the trading post yeah. increases the number of approaches, but I also tend to think it accelerates the game for people who are intentioned in their play on it, and slows the game down for people who are not intentioned. And that makes a lot of sense for your family. Right. Yeah. Right? With, with your family, and as much as they play, and as deliberate as they, as they yep. are playing it. I can see that. Right, but like if you just sit there and go, cool, oh, what does this power do? And oh, what does this power do? Then I will be at 10 points before you've figured right. out the third power that you've just unlocked. Right, right. So. Um, he says after winning no games today, to be clear. No plays. I... Well, no games of Splendor. Yeah, me either. Well, Wait, sure, but I, I won no to games win. today. <laughs> so. Uh, so, all in all, though, I think the expansion does a lot for the game. Um,. And I think it's I think that I think it does a lot for the game. I also found that my family in general prefers to just play basic Splendor, but that's because that's the one they know and love and whatever. And that's just what we have found. Every time I'm like, hey, why don't we play blah 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 expansion? They're like, or we could just sit there and play the the game we know. Right. So right. I have not seen it draw. I have not seen it take over or it become a replacement. It becomes an add on that you sometimes use, but it's not a replacement for the base game. In, for for the groups I have used it with, and I think that surprises me for, for as much as your family plays it. But I, then again, that's that's a thing about your family. This yes. is the game they play. I do think for a gaming group who really likes whether Splendor comes out as the in between game, the light game, or whatever, but is a group with a number of gamers in it, i.e., every group I play with pretty much weird but not i mean like no. even even with my wife and in and mother-in-law this is a way that they would i, I think the expansions made for me hmm. right made for the me type of gamer yeah because this is something i can get i can i say to my mother-in-law hey you want to play splendor and you saw you you know my mother-in-law my mother-in-law is the first one to hey do you want to play this game no well I, you don't know want to play this game. I've never right. played this game before. You know before. you've played it before, right? <laughs> no, I haven't. Well, you sure? Oh, maybe I've played a game before, but I don't want to play it. Well, why don't we try it? Man, I like this game. Like, it took her twice and winning both games for her to be look at my wife and be like, I really like this game. I have a handle on it. <laughs> right? So, um, you know, Azul. We got we got her playing yep. Azul. And we were like, you want to try Stained Glass? She's like, uh, no, it's not Azul. Okay, let's try it. Okay, I'll try it. It has the same name. 
right? I mean, yeah. she's she's very resistant. So this is a way to go. Hey, we're going to play Splendor tonight with this rule set. We're going to play with the Orient. We're going to play with trading posts. We're going to play with cities, and it's more likely that she's going to play it, and it's still different enough that the gamer magpies out there like me are going to be like, okay, this is different. Right, so you don't hate playing it. Because at some point, I also look at my family and go, seriously, right. we've only played Splendor the last ten times we pulled games out? Please. <laughs> Something else. Right. Um, but I will say this, and this is, I, this is actually a real question for you. Um, a real question versus a not real question? Yes. <laughs> Have you found that any of the expansions actually increase the complexity of the game? Increase the complexity of the game. I think trading posts increases the complexity of the game. Hmm. Okay. Um, not dramatically, but it does. Okay. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the only one. Right, because in general, the complexity is figuring out what you want to do yeah. and what everyone else is trying to do and how to get your thing done around them first, right? So... I found that while mechanics change a lot, with uh, things are changing with these expansions, yep. the actual complexity, the things you have to think, the ideas you're considering are the same. I would almost Which is say... Also no, 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 that's, that's fair. I would almost say that Orient does too, but let me explain why. Orient's a little bit different because most of Orient, I'm basically adding three extra symbols, and they're not... They're not really added... Like, they're not added regularly. And I think that's the, there's an extra step mentally when I'm playing trading posts of look at the chips, look at the cards. Now there's a third step of and figure out what power has been added to what I'm doing. You're talking about Orient or? No, I'm talking about trading posts. Sorry. Orient. Orient is look at my cards, Mm -hmm. see what I can buy, look at the chips, and in the process of look at my cards, I have to add two more symbols. Okay. And that's fair, to be fair, because it's the interesting thing about trading posts is not just if I know how many iGems I can get and you can get and you can get and you can get in between and here's how the resources are going to mutate – then it's like, well, I have this power, so I do it this way. But they have a different power, and that also affects yeah, and something. And that's why I say it adds a, another step to the process, right? which is why I do think, it, it. yes, it adds complexity, but it is very minor complexity. Yep. One of the other powers that gets unlocked in training posts is when you buy a card, you get a gem. Right. Which means that if there's a low number of, I don't know, white gems available, and you buy a card that uses a white gem, you just... Take, Take that white gem right back, and it can actually strangle the resources more in some ways, which can have a very interesting mutation on the interactions yep. between players. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I but that, not, and that's what I think is reasonable. That, but I right? do, yeah. I, I 100%, in general, I was thinking it didn't add complexity. It changes the way the game plays. It changes how you get from A to B. But in general, I didn't actually think it added complexity. And which, let me go back and also add my other caveat. I don't think that Strongholds adds complexity at all. But boy, does it make it a different game. <laughs> yes, I agree. It is a spiteful, hateful game. I mean, neither does using a bat to hit your opponents every round. Right. Doesn't actually make the game any more complex. But it has a, has a similar has a, but To be fair, there's a little more, uh, I don't know, visceral satisfaction in that situation. I mean, if you're going to hate your friends that much, just go all oh. out. Wow. Yeah, I... That's really just that bad. <laughs> I, would, I, I would love to sit out with the designer someday. It'd be like, 
So what's the real story behind Strongholds? Uh, <laughs> I, I swear to God, they built the other three, and then were so pissed off at each other at the end. Playtesting went so poorly. They were just like, "We're going to make an exam. We're going to make a whole expansion that says no." What do you want to do? No. no. How about me? No. <laughs> like I think that's what that uh. is. So, uh, I don't know. Did you see the rating before, the Board Game Geek rating? I did not. So, expansions do get rated separate from Good. the game. Yeah, um, makes sense. What is very interesting is a lot of times an expansion, the ratings can vary because most people in Board Game Geek, like if, if you go to Board Game Geek and you want to search for these games, you're going to search for Splendor. I am going to search for Splendor if I look for that. Yeah. Right? And then you're going to ask questions about Splendor because yeah. you're playing Splendor with expansions. But expansions are actually tracked separately and they're not in the same forms and stuff. So usually there's less people that go to an expansion, which makes the rating change. And I would normally expect the rating to be higher because people that are into expansions and right. are actually really enough to go to it. Uh, sometimes I would say, okay, maybe it's lower because not as many people are taking the time to rate it. Would you like to make a guess at the Cities of Splendor rating? Uh, sure. I could, I mean, I can cheat a little bit because I said, hey, wasn't that the one that won the award? And you were like, yes, that was the expansion. So, surprise, I think the expansion is going to be higher. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put a, an 8.7 guess in, which is a big jump. Don't get me wrong. 7.5. Really? It is right in now, the... Now, wait. I'm sorry, 7.5 is Splendor. Hold on. I was like, did you? Are you literally looking at the same one? It's, uh, but I can't tell you, it's 7.4. I just have to get back to the, to the page. Likely story. Um, yeah, I know, I know, I know you don't, uh, I got it. You don't, you don't believe me. That's fine. I mean, you were on the same page as the base game after your whole (laughs) read-in about, you know, it's a different form, it's got its own rating, and, oh, 7.4. All right. Yeah, so 1.9 thousand ratings compared to the 40, compared to the 46,000 ratings. So you can see dressing. But what I found interesting there is a lot of people feel like this is right in the same. Which to be, which ties is what exactly we're about yeah. my question, right? Yep. Doesn't, it changes the way the game plays, but it doesn't. Make it better or worse. Or, it just is different, it's right? It's just different. It is just, it is, it is splendor, except quite, not quite splendor, yep. is, is what it amounts to. Which I think is really cool, uh, Which whether that may not have been their goal, but I think it's pretty cool to be able to do, right? To add oh, a, a change the way the game plays that much, and some of these is fairly significant, yep. and still have it's it be the, the same game, game? Yep. and you're like, cool, wait, did we have to do all that play testing? Apparently, it doesn't matter what we do. <laughs> um, but I know, I, I think that's pretty cool. It also makes it a certain uh, amount of resilience. Around the around the base game shows yeah. the, the resilience of the base game or the idea. So who do you write... Do you recommend Splendor as a game to play? Uh, I have actively recommended Splendor before as a game to play. Who do you recommend it to? Uh, I recommend it to, well, so like I said, it's fairly, it's really easy, it's approachable. I think families, like it's a good family game. It's simple enough that everyone can pick it up and play it. And its complexity is, it's as, mu- as much as you want to get into this game, you can, is, is how I see it. Right? I, you I like can literally that. sit there and try to get everyone's guess for the next blah, blah, blah. And that's, you know, and then add in the, oh, whoops, that card didn't exist. And I have to change yep. all the thoughts. No, I, I like that. Um, I, I'm a fan of the game. It's on my shelf. It's, uh, I did go out after 
getting a very bad recommendation. I then got, you know, I actually played it and was like, wow, this game's You've only said it told me about this. <laughs> so, yeah, and I seem to remember at the time it was because we did. We bought this on one of our trips to New Hampshire, and it was, uh, was kind of funny because we had sat down to play it, and my buddy up there was like, hey, have you heard of Splendor? And I'm like... Oh, yeah, yeah, I got a I got a friend that plays that. He's like, oh, it's a really great game, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, gem merchants, gem merchants right? Yeah, <laughs> yay! <laughs> so, um, I actually have recommended it. I think it's great. I will take the time to mention it because I just finished building it, and it's one of those things that I've gone through and do done. Splendor the base game has a good in the box organizer. Yep, uh, holds the chips and everything else. The base box will hold both the organizer or both the original game and the expansion. So the expansion box is almost the same size as the original box. You don't need both boxes, but you do have to take the organizer out. I went out and bought a broken token organizer and really like it. It was easy to build. I built it while in two hours while I was watching a movie. Uh, it's uh, laser cut wood, and you know I'll definitely throw kudos out and a recommendation. I think. It made me much happier to have everything organized today than up until now, which has just then been a right mash in the box. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, that's, that's fair. So, uh, I mean, there's one question that I think is interesting. Now, I mean, it, we don't normally do direct comparison of game to a different game. Right. But do you feel Azul is a more streamlined version? Now, not the same company, not the same game. But does it feel like a more streamlined version of Splendor? No. They're two different games. Okay. And if you add the other version of Azul in there, three different games. Okay. Um, I was not in the mood to play Azul tonight. I don't know if that came through in my reticence to play Azul tonight. Not really, to be <laughs> fair. Well, maybe when you picked up... Ingress. Because <laughs> when you picked up Ingress, I knew that was the end of the night. <laughs> right? Like, Yeah. Um, and apparently you had gotten an expansion for it. Separate story for a different time. That is that is true, yes. other, um, I did get the expansion. But that's beside the point. No, I, I like, yeah. Wait, so my mother-in-law, very set in her ways. Very specific game she wants to play. She loves Azul. Azul has been a go-to when she's been here. And tonight I was like... I really want to play anything but Azul. <laughs> well, I understand. I've gotten that way with my family in Splendor. So, yeah. literally, at some point, like I was like, I know I like Splendor as a game, yeah. but for the love of God, can I play something, anything something else? else. Um, that doesn't mean I don't like Azul. Funny yeah, enough, clearly, just had a discussion about Azul earlier this week. So, um, But, that being said, I think they're two different games. I do think they fit in the same space. Sure. So... Like across the board from the same space. Hit the same strategy points of the brain, same level of complexity or light, you know, uh, complexity. Fill the same slot for what am I looking for to sit down, chat, and BS while we're... While we're playing, uh, can be, be be played with families, can be played with not heavy gamers, yep. uh, still is intriguing enough and engaging enough to have a level of strategy that's worth playing, could sit down and play four, five, six games in a row and knock them out and feel good about it. Yep. Um, I feel like they're both in the same spot. 
So if I was organizing my bookshelves by similar games, these would go onto the same shelf. Now I want to go check to see if one's on top of the other. They're not. <laughs> they're not. Just fucking mess. They're with actually me. across the room from each other because, like siblings, I don't want them fighting. Right? <laughs> You'll end up with a with a splendor chip inside of your Zool bag. You'll be like, "What the hell?" So, no, that's an interesting question, though. Um, and I do. I I think they fill the same space, but they're two different games. Okay. For me, they're very very similar. Like the way I think about it when I play and stuff like that, which you already mentioned. Yep. That is similar. Uh, they are different in that I don't like the fatigue I've had at one point around Splendor is not there when we talk about Azul. And that's a good point, right? Like I said tonight, I was not in the mood to play right. Azul tonight. They're but different Splendor, enough. I was like, yeah, I'm down with that. Right? They're different enough. They don't. They don't. They are not the same. They're, to me, right. they're not the same. Right. But they're similar enough that I asked the question because I was like, are they really the same? <laughs> Now, and I'm going to have to think about if there's any other games that fill that spot. So, it's interesting. One of the podcasts I listen to, um, and, and for anybody who's looking for other gaming podcasts, uh, the uh, the Secret Cabal, great gaming podcast. But the Secret Cabal talks about, they're massive gamers. They, they're they beyond me. Like, like, the guy that runs the podcast has hundreds and hundreds of games, not hundred. No, I got it. <laughs> so I mean, I, you realize that if you have 101 games... I'm getting there. You have hundreds. <laughs> no, no. If you have more than 800, you quote-unquote have hundreds. Hundreds. Yes, and hundreds. I know you and do, because I know you're over that number. <laughs> so, so that said, um, like they'll refer to dudes on a board, or area control, or like they'll, they'll re- refer to these... Not genres. I mean, they kind of refer to it like it's a genre, but they refer to these sort of zones yeah. of games that get grouped together, right? Uh, mystery, you know, they, they talk about, you know, Mansions of Madness and uh, House on the Hill. Uh, Betrayal on the House on the Betrayal, Hill. Betrayal, you know, and there's a couple of games like that that are all, you know, they in the hidden movement and like different genres of games. I'm not sure what genre I would put this and... Azul and Azul Stained Glass into, but they're definitely in a genre. Right. And then it's a matter of what else fills that genre. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, recommended, yes. We both think it's a great game. Yeah. Uh, we've enjoyed the expansions. We agree that the expansions change the game. Don't make it better. Don't make it worse. Just make it different, which can also be fun in its own right. And that's that. Say bye, Josh. Bye, Josh. Not too bad. Uh, nice bite-sized chunk, uh, shorter than some of the previous episodes. So uh, that was Splendor. Uh, Splendor and Cities of Splendor. One of the things Josh and I talked about, I don't think it was in the very beginning of this uh, episode, was I need to get a spreadsheet put together. Uh, I, I know it's only six, seven games, but uh, a couple of months. We're starting to lose track of what I have reviewed and have not reviewed. So we're going to uh, we're going to go back and look at that. Um 
I actually want to kind of tag some of the things that maybe have done a bit further back. For example, I know there are some uh, requests for Dark Souls. Uh, we did review Dark Souls, I don't know, a while ago. Um, so I want to go in and take a look at when those reviews were done and kind of point back to those as well. That being said, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I can always be reached at bill at gamerslounge.co.net. Love to get emails. Uh, would love some of your feedback. Uh, you can also go into iTunes. Uh, you can find me there. And it's the Gamers Lounge with the sexy microphone, not the uh, green video game stuff. Um, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye now. <laughs>